Okay, good morning. Today's daf is daf Ayin Vov. Today's shoes Le'ilu Nishmas, Shaina Bas Yitzchak, Yochevet Bas Chanalaya, and Svi Ben Chai Mordechai. May the Neshamas have an Ali and may the memory be a blessing. Um, we're going to go from the bottom of Ayin Hayamud Beis, um, 75B. Let's go from again. It's about the 12th last line. Omar of Acha, Bereder of Ika. But basically, where we're holding in this large discussion over yesterday's death is we know that there's the principle of Moide Beknas Potter. If you admit to a penalty, you exempt. We were discussing in yesterday's death when does that admission count? And the opinions we were going in, um, the opinions we were going in was. Um, we're holding that where your admission doesn't obligate you in anything, that doesn't actually count as an as admission. So if you go to Bayesian and you say, I stole, that does obligate you. You now have to pay back what you stole. You will, however, get off the kefil and the dalit vahey because of your admission. However, what happens if they're witnesses that you stole? So you're anyway paying back what you stole. And you then go along and say, but I sold it, or but I slaughtered it, so you're admitting, there, we, there your admission doesn't obligate you in anything. All it does is get you off the Dalit Bahay. So that admission doesn't count. Similarly, if you go to court and you say, um, I did not steal, but I, you know, and then Adam come and say, yeah, but you did steal, and you admit to Moida, you admit to the four or five fold payment, again, you wouldn't be liable. And we initially wanted to suggest that that was actually a machlokes tanaim between Rabbonin and Sumchus. And now Rabbi Achabrei Ravike is going to say it's not necessarily a machlokes in, in this principle of um, where your admission is, again, either triggered by Edim or triggered by. Um, or, or not obligate, yeah, where your admission doesn't obligate you in anything, does that count as an admission? We're going to give another way to understand the braces. So, Omer Avacha Breidravika, law. Avacha Breidravika says no. Again, the argument is not in this principle. You could say everyone agrees that admitting that you slaughtered a thief, admitting that he slaughtered the animal, doesn't count as, a, as an admission. Again, and, he, and therefore, oh, sorry, I should have emphasized this. And therefore, if Adim subsequently, if it is an admission, and Adim subsequently come, you will still be exempt because of the principle of Moedim class Part 2. But if it doesn't count as, a, as an admission, like in our case where you're not obligating you, yourself in anything, then it does not count as an admission. So if Adim subsequently come, you will be liable. Again, it still depends on Adim because... Um, a knas is, seems to be created through Adim. Okay, so, so they're not arguing that. They're arguing in Eidos that is impossible to make them into Zomamin. Yeah, so Hazima would be to Zamafa the Eidos. I don't know. Yeah, that's what they're arguing. Kagonta Azu Sahadi, two witnesses came for Omrilai Gonavto. And they said, you stole. I, we, the witnesses, saw you stole. So, Omar Lehu, and he said to them, He says, you're right, I did steal, and I slaughtered or sold it. 
It was not before you who are slaughtered, who are stolid, rather before so and so and so and so. And two witnesses come and say, yeah, you're right, it wasn't before that first set of witnesses that he stole. They were with us elsewhere. And then the witnesses that he said actually saw him do it came and testified that he stole and he slaughtered. So it's quite an interesting case. Two witnesses come along and say, hey, we saw you steal. He says... You're right, I stole and I slaughtered it, but it wasn't you who saw me, it was Ruvain on Shimon. And then two other witnesses come and prove those first witnesses. Zomamin. And the witnesses that he said, he said, you know, Ruvain and Shimon saw me, so then they go and bring Ruvain and Shimon. And they say, yes, I saw him. Yeah, that they did see him, he'll be high. Now, well, now, this is where the Rabbonin and Sumchus argue. The Rabbonin Sovri, and I'll, I'll, let me just read it in the Gemara and I'll explain why shortly. The Rabbonin Sovri, The Rabbonin hold this is considered Eidos that you're not able to Hazima, and therefore, and any Eidos that cannot be proven Hazoma. As you can, any Eidos that the Zomians say that you can't actually make them into Zomians does not count. The Sumchus holds Eidos Shiato Yochalazima, Hava Eidos Sumchus holds it is valid Eidos. So let's just go back a step. Um, why is this Eidos, this I wasn't clear on and I don't think I put it across, across clearly yesterday. Why is this Eidos that you're not able to z- make them into Zomamin? Because basically, what's this guy come along and said? He said, Ruvain and Shimon saw me steal. Now, by doing his admission, is making their testimony valid regardless of their real status. Uh, again, he says, I saw Ruvain and Shimon saw me steal. And let's say Ruvain and Shimon are proved to be Zomamin. He's admitted that their testimony is good. So therefore... But at the same time, there's a woman. Yeah, but he's kind of said he's his admission, and remember what Das Baldin Kameh Adim Zomim. The person who's liable's admission is equal Kameh Adim Dummy, is like a hundred witnesses, not um, a, a person's admission is the equivalent of a hundred witnesses. So therefore, you can have a hundred witnesses saying that Adim Zomimin, but from the court's perspective, from his perspective, he's no, they could aid him. And therefore, now, now what's their punishment going to be? So they're not, even if they're found to be Adim Zomimin, they're not going to incur the punishment of Adim Zomimin. Because he said they're good witnesses, they can't incur the punishment of Adim Zomimin. Therefore, you can't. Inter- again, what's, uh, I should have. All, um, yeah. What's also interesting, we find the word Adim Zomamin and Adus that you're able to make into Zomamin doesn't only refer to can you prove those witnesses wrong. It also refers to in that case, will they get the punishment of Zomamin? So here they won't get the punishment of Zomamin. Therefore, they do not. Ca- therefore, they can't be made into Zomamin because making Adim into Zomamin means getting them the same punishment as they tried to do. Therefore, they're not. Therefore, it's Eidos that you can't make into Zomfa. And that's what we're saying. The Rabbonin holds it's good Eidos. It's, sorry, it's not good Eidos. Therefore, we don't accept them. And the Rabbonin holds, and Sumchus holds, it's not good Eidos, and therefore we're not going to accept them. 
I'm not going to, but what I should do is tie it back into, so then we've got to read the Brysa and see how you tie this Mahlokes back into the Brysa. But let's go on. He says, says, the Gemara says, but wait, we Paskin, that Eidos that you are not able to make into them into Zoymimin, does not count as Eidos. It's a clear principle. Sumchus wouldn't argue on that. You just told me that the Rabbanon and Sumchus argue whether we count Eidos, that you're not able to make them into Zoymimin as Eidos. And we said that Sumchus holds you, can, you do count it. But we clearly don't count it. Sumchus wouldn't argue on that. So he says, no. When do we have this principle and we accept it as bad? As a, when do we accept this principle that everyone agrees that if you're not able to make them in the Zoyimim, it's not an Eidos? That's specifically where you don't know which day it was done or what time it was done. Where there is no testimony. Not that there's no testimony, they are saying it, but there's no edus that they are able, I, the, the points of their testimony that you cannot prove them. It says, Here, they could have been based on Zomimin, based on what they actually said. It's just that, they support his statement. I, he's the one who said, I'm, I, uh, in my mind, the victor, the one who the Edim are coming against, said, yes, they could aid him. His admission is supporting their aiders. I mean, they come in support of what he's saying. I'm just saying why they come in support of um, his statement is because our guess is they support him, but it could also be read. There's a note in the March Messiah in Luhu, he supports them. But either way, what do we see? The the victim, the guy they're coming to cross to prove wrong, supports them, stands up for them and says they could aid him. So we're gonna accept his admission. Now, now let's just look at this carefully. So the aidos, what they said could be proven Zomamin. It's an external fact that's this uh, this guy they testifying against who makes it that they can't be proven Zomamin. That's where Sumcha says, look, that's not real making them into Zomamin, and we accept their testimony. On the other hand, when do we, does everyone agree you don't accept? Where points in their testimony are left out or unclear so that they can't be Zomamin. Again, the difference is in the case in Al Mishnah, the Aidim, everything that they said, all their testimony can be proven, can make them into Zomamin. It's just this. God that says, no, they, I accept their testimony against me. <laughs> Whereas the other point where no one accepts Eidos that can't be made into Zomim, Shiato Yochel Hazima, that is where the Eidim are not able to. Um, that is where there's actual points in their testimony that are missing. Okay, Omar, Hein Mishalmim Tashlume Kefa. We said in the Brisa that the Eidim Zomimin pay Kefa. But if he admits that he stole, Karen boy Shluma, he has to pay the Karen. So why are the Aiden Zomamin only paying paying Kefal? They should only what are they what did they try him to get over and above? Just one time's the payment. Because he he admitted, so that's already takes the one time that he's going to pay anyway. So all they got him to pay was trying to get him to pay is one. So why do they pay Kefal? Says Omar Ribilaza, Ribilaza says, Mishmay the Rav Ribilaza said in the name of Rav, Tani Tashlum de Kefal. 
they pay the completion of kefil. Ah, he's going to pay the keren, and they're going to pay the kefil. And then, obviously, just based on the case, the thief will also have to pay the dalad vahay, because his, in the case there, his admission, urat, was triggered because of Adim. However, they were proven to be Zomamin. So his admission, uh, wait, going back to the case. He, he, his admission chives him in Keren. And since they've proven Adim Zomamin, they obligate him in the extra amount. And the, uh, and the four or five fold payment, since they've proven Adim Zomamin, he will also have to pay that. Okay. So we go now into what's the case. So Rav Acha explained the case is where um, two witnesses came and they said that you stole. And he said, you're right. Um, what he says, I did steal and I slaughtered it. However, you weren't the witnesses and they subsequently proven to, aid, to be Adam Zomir. However, Ruvain and Shimon were the witnesses. Now, his admission, it's, I'm just trying to, his, his admission obligates him in the Karen. However, the Adim Zomimim tried to get him punished. So they should be paying three and four. No, four so five. they're paying, they're paying the, they're paying the, the, the kefil, because remember, an admission to to the tvicha doesn't count when you're going to be paying anyway. So his admission doesn't count, and therefore the second set of witnesses obligates the thief in the extra three or two, three extra three or four. Oh, sorry, extra yeah three or two. So 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 therefore, and that's how we've come out. So the the thief pays the Karen because of because he admitted a moid of a class potter in the Aiden Zomim. We were trying to get him to pay Kefil, pay the extra, but the, the second portion. And his admission on three on the three or the two, the extra amount over and above doesn't count as an admission. So when the second set of witnesses come along, or the third set that he said were good witnesses come along and say, you also slaughtered it, he now has to pay those additional amounts. Okay, yeah, it's very tricky, but that's the case. Okay, let's go into the new case. The Mishnah said if he slaughters and, he, and, and sanctifies it, and there, so if he stole and then he sanctified it, and then he slaughtered or sold it, so he said that the thief pays double, but he doesn't pay the four or five. Because it was already Hegdesh. So Omri Bishlay might be Chalomachaev, the Kikotovach, the Hegdesh Kotovach, the Loy de Marikotovach. Okay, it makes sense that if he slaughtered it after sanctifying it, he doesn't have to pay. 
the four or fivefold, because whose animal is he slaughtering? Hegdesh's animal, and not the original owner's. And remember, you only chayive if you slaughter the animal that belongs to the owner that you stole from. Now, this animal, um, because of shinurishus, it changed from the owner's rishus to the yeush and shinurishus. Rashi points out there's definitely yeush because if there's no yeush, you could never sanctify it. So there was yeush and he sanctified it. So there's yeush and shinurishus. It's changed from the original owner or the thief to the hegdesh. Therefore, it's no longer the original owner's. And he's not slaughtering the original owner's animals, so therefore he's exempt from four or five. Ella, a hegdesh lechayev, just by making it kadosh, he should be liable. What difference does it make whether he sells it to a regular person or he sells it to the heaven? To heaven. What are we saying here? When we say if he steals and then sells it, he's liable to four or five. It's not specifically on if it's a sale. It's on if he transfers it to someone else's property. If the thief, thief gives it away as a gift, he's also liable to the four or five-fold payment because that's the equivalent of uh, selling, giving a gift. So, so to when he gives it to Hegdesh, that's just giving a gift to a different entity. He should be liable, four or five-fold payment. So the Gemara says, no, how many Rabbi Shimon? It's actually Rabbi Shimon. Omar Kodshim Shechai Bachriyusim. He says, Kodshim, that the owner would be liable to replace, is viewed as always in the Rishus of the owner. Aye, so this thief who must have said something along the lines of, I commit to bring a Korban Ola. Now, and then he says, oh, you know, this animal that I stole, I'll use that as my Korban Ola. And then, he sl- and then as we said, he slaughters the Korban Ola. That, that, I'm sorry, he slaughters that animal. Now, what we're saying that when he gave it as Hegdesh, when he declared that animal as Hegdesh, that's giving it to the Beis Amidash. That was our problem. If he's giving it to the Beis Amidash, that's the same as if he sold it to anyone. So he's saying no, because when you're responsible to replace it, where he says, I commit to bring an Ola, and then as a second point, he says, oh, you know what, I'll use this animal as my Ola. If anything happens to that animal, he has to replace it. Because he still has the obligation to bring an Ola. So therefore, he hasn't really, Rabbi Shimon says, it's as if it's his. So the thief hasn't really given it to the Beis Amikdash. He's partially given it to the Beis Amikdash. Once he's made a Kurdish, it is for Paris. I'm not sure why. Because it's not his property. Like, I mean, I'm not sure where you're getting that. So he's high me'ila. So I mean, let's wait a bit further down the daf because you're bringing in like a few points, and I don't know if you, got, uh, if 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 they're clear yet. But we will be challenging this for similar reasons. Okay, but but again, just to get it, I don't know if I said it clearly, but when a, a Rabbi Shimon holds that as long as you're liable to still bring a korban, are you liable to replace the animal if it goes missing or something? then it's, it's still considered the owners, in this case the thieves. He's the one who sanctified it, so it will still be considered he's, it's not a proper gift. That's what we're saying. It says, oh, oh, but since the latter clause in the mission is Rabbi Shimon, this clause can't be Rabbi Shimon. So, we must be discussing, so you're right. It's not Rabbi Shimon. 
Oh, so how are you going to get around this? He says, it's Kachim Kalim, according to Rabbi Yosei Aglili. Dama, Kachim Kalim, Amun Baalim, Hu. Rabbi Yosei Kalimai. Rabbi Yosei Aglili holds that Kachim Kalim, light level sanctity, is always considered the owner's. And therefore, it is still in the rishus of the thief. So even when the thief goes, I want to give this as a, this animal I stole as a shlomim, according to Rabbi Yosei Aglili, it's still considered his. And there's no me'ilah. Says Ava Kotche Kotche Mai. So what would be the halachot? Kotche Kotchim Meshalim Tashlume Dalev Vechamisha. You telling me that he would pay four or five? Ah, if he says I want this to be an ola, then it is considered the temple property. So it is a proper transfer from his property to the temple, and he should be liable to four or five. So Mai Meshalim Tashlume Dalev Vechamisha. It says Now Adetani Reisha Ganavatovah Vaachakach Higdish. But the Reisha teaches. If he stole and then he slaughtered and then he sanctified it, he pays Dalit Vahei. Make the distinction in that case. Again, we switched in the ratio we made. Whenever the Mishnah wants to teach two sides, a case when you will be Chayav and a case where you won't be Chayav, we expected to make as little distinctions between the two cases to bring out that point, that there are times when you Chayav and times when you Potur. But here it changes the whole case. The ratio is where you stole, slaughtered, and then sanctified. And the safe is where you stole, sanctified, and then. But don't make such a big distinction. Um, just teach as follows. Make the distinction as follows. When is this? But if it's Kotche Kotchim, high level sanctity, that is considered temple property. When you sanctify it, you should be paying four or five payments. I again, therefore, by the fact that we don't make that distinction, must be it's an invalid distinction. So there, should, there would be no difference whether it's light level Kedusha or high level Kedusha. And therefore, we can't explain the Mishnah as saying, oh, when, why, again, we, we're always going back to the question, why, when you sanctify this animal, are you not higher for four or five fold for, sell it, for the equivalent of selling it to the base of Milash? So we want to say it's Rabbi Yosin Kotchek Kalim, but then, but that distinction doesn't work because we should not have a distinction between Kotchek Kalim and Kotchek Kotchek. Rather, you actually have to say there's no difference between Kotche Kotchim or Kotche Kalim. With the Kasha Loch, Mali Mochrela Hedjot, Mali Mochrela Shomayim. Oh, you asked then, again, what's the difference whether you sell it to a regular person or you sell it to Shomayim? Are you sanctify it? So, Mochrela Hedjot, Meikuratura Deruven, Vahashtatura Dushimon. When you sell something to a regular person, originally it's called. Ruvain's ox, and now it's called Shimon's ox because it's been sold. But when you sell something to heaven, I declare it sanctified. You used to call it Ruvain's tur, and now you, uh, ox, and now you still call it Ruvain's ox. So, what are we saying? There's an ask when, when I sell something to you, it changes its oh, that was Ellie's car and now it's Gavin's car. That's when we sell something, that's what people refer to that. However, if I would sanctify an animal and take it to the base of Middash, people would call still call it Mashi, Ellie's sheep, and then I take it to the base of Middash, it's still Ellie's sheep. So we see there's an aspect of the sale that is not complete when or the equivalent of the sale when you magdish something. So that's what we bring it out. 
You're right. Really, it is very close to a sale when you sanctify something. It's instead of giving it a gift to a person, you're giving it as a gift to the Beis Amikdash. However, by the way people refer to it, we can see it's not a complete transaction, and therefore you would not be liable to for a fivefold payment in that case. Okay, now we're going on to Rabbi Shimon. And Rabbi Shimon said, now, what did Rabbi Shimon said? Let me just read it inside the mission. Rabbi Shimon said, If it's kochim that you're obligated to replace, then you are liable to four or five-fold payment. Well, oh, sorry, I should go back a line. It says, Gone over Higdish. If you stole and you sanctified it, either the top of the page, the case we're going on in the top of the page, if you stole and then sanctified it and then you slaughtered or sold it, you do not pay kefil, but, sorry, you do pay kefil for stealing it, but you're not going to pay dalit vahe because it's already sanctified. Rabbi Shimon Oimer, Rabbi Shimon says, if it's kochim that you liable to replace, you do pay talent And if you're not liable to replace it, what are you exempt? What would be um, just to highlight? What would be a distinction when you are liable to replace it? If you give, if you dedicate something to the temple in a language of saying, I I commit to give an ola, and then you choose an animal. If anything happens to that animal, it gets lost or dies. Your original declaration still stands. I commit to give an Ola. You haven't fulfilled I commit to give an Ola, and therefore you have to replace the animal. So Rabbi Shimon says that's considered your animal, and therefore, if you sell it, you would still be liable to Dalit Bahay, even though you sanctified it in the middle. Um, re- however, if let's say I say I commit to give this animal as a korban, if something happens to that animal, you're not liable to do anything because your problem, your Vow was to give this animal, and this animal died, so you free. So there's no obligation to replace it, so therefore it is considered basis. Now, now we're going on the assumption that the Tanakhama holds that if one steals and then sanctifies, and then shechs, he's exempt from four or five. And Rishimon is arguing only where there's no achrayos. But if there is achrayos, so you know, Rabbi Shimon, sorry, agrees that. If there is, that's where there's no achrayos. But if there is achrayos, then he would still be chayav dalit vahe. But now, yeah. So, so Omri, they said nehi the sova Rebbe Shimon mali mochra lehedjon mali mochra l'shmayim. Granted, Rebbe Shimon holds. What difference does it make whether you transfer to a regular person or you transfer to shamayim? Ibchemi boile. He still should have said the opposite. Why kodshim shechayev achrayuson potur? If it's kodshim that you are liable for the achrayuson, you're exempt. To akati loy nofat say because it hasn't left his property. I again, when I say I commit to give an ola, and then I say, you know what, it's going to be this animal, since I'm liable to replace it, it is still mine. So when I subsequently shecht it, I should actually be chayev. I should be potur. Sorry, Magriza. Yeah, potur, Yeah, it's it's still the deed. It hasn't left his reshus. Sorry, yeah, he hasn't sold it. Kodshim she'ainu chayev ba'achrayusan. Kodshim that he's not liable to replace, chayev. 
he should be liable to the four or five fold payment as soon as he sanctifies it. The Mafek Lemir Shusay, because it's left his Rishus. So Omri, they answered, yeah, that really Rabbi Shimon agrees with the Tanakama that Hegdesh is not the same as a sale. Okay, and this was built on the premise that when you sanctify something, it's as if you've sold it to the base Amigdash. And that's why does the three or four fivefold does the four or fivefold payment kick in? And if we have the issue, well if you chive Bachrayus, it hasn't transferred, so it shouldn't kick in. And Rabbi Shimon seems to say the opposite. Um you should be potter in that case. So they say, no. Omri, actually, Rabbi Shimon holds like the Tanakhama that giving it to the base Amigdash is not a proper transferal. But Rabbi Shimon, Amil Sachrisi Koi, if we have to introduce and say that Rabbi Shimon's actually going on a different case. So you stole an animal, and this is what it's teaching. If someone steals from another thief, he doesn't pay Dalit Vay. And similarly, if someone steals from the house of the owner, Hegdesh from the house of the owner, Potur, he's exempt. My timer, what's the reason? You're only liable if you steal from the house of the owner and not from the house of Hegdesh. If the animal you stole, if the owner had sanctified the animal and then you steal it, even though it's his because he's liable to replace it, it is. It's also Hegdesh, and therefore you can't say you stole from him, from the house of him, and you'd be potter from the Dalit Bahay. So, and it explains, Rabbi Shimon, Oimer Rabbi Shimon said, sorry, sorry, this is all the Tanakama, potter, we're going to be basic. Rabbi Shimon, Oimer, Kochim, Shechai, Bachrius, and Chayev. No, Rabbi Shimon holds, if you're liable to replace it, you're liable, my timer. Karina Bay, we're going to be base ish. Vishaino Chabachrus and Potter, Deloy Karina Bay, we're going to be base ish. Sorry, I, I explained it wrong. But the, 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 the principles I said are wrong. The Tanakama holds that once you've been sanctified the animal, it's considered now the temple property, at least to a degree. Therefore, when you steal it, you're stealing it from Hegdesh, not from the owner. And that's why you're exempt from four or five fold payment. Whereas Rabbi Shimon holds no. If the owner is liable to replace that animal, if anything happens to it, it is his. And therefore, more than a connection, we view it as his. And therefore, you would be liable to replace it. And unlike if... Um, unlike if, if, if it's... He would agree to the Tanakam if there's no Achrayas on it, then it is considered Hektesh, and you would not be hard to the four or five fold payment because you're stealing it not from the owner of the thief, but from the house of Hegdesh. Um, important to highlight, uh, Rashi brings us out. Let me just check that. Because remember, Rabbi Shimon holds. Um, you know, let me not bring in that point now. It says, Now we're going to ask a question on this. because So we're saying, if you slaughter, if the thief steals this animal and slaughters it, he's going to be, if he's chayv ba'achrayusa, he's going to be liable to four or five fold payment. But wait, we hold that if someone slaughters something that you can't eat, 
It doesn't count as a shechita, and therefore you should not be liable to four or five old payment. Now, when you take this carbon and shechita, this is going back to what Gavin was saying. You just you know, bringing in two other books. Um, when you go and shech this carbon outside of the base of are you allowed to eat it? No. So it shouldn't count as a shechita, so you shouldn't be liable to four or five old payment. So now we're going to have three answers to this question. So Rabdimi says in the name of Rabbi Yochanan, it's where you shechted this korban for the owners. Either thief stole this korban from Ruvain, he takes it to the base of Midash and he shechts it on behalf of Ruvain. So therefore, he, it is edible. And therefore, it's a shechita shiru'uya, and he's shechting something he stole, so he's liable to four or five whole payment. Now, <laughs> yeah. saving uh, is uh, very, very helpful. He says, wait, if you're doing that, then he's returning the Karen to the Baalim. When you share, this owner had this korban, no. and you shared this korban on behalf of the owner, you're doing it for him. You've, you've returned the animal to the owner for all intents and purposes. So there should be no four or five fold payment. I think in my mind what it's similar to is, so you steal a lamb, you give it back to the owner, and then he says, thank you so much. Will you please shecht it for me? You're not going to, oh, you stole it and slaughtered it. That's not what you hear, and that's what you're doing here. You're taking, you're stealing this animal, you're going up to the base of Midash, and you're shechting it on half the owner. So now we're going to have three answers to what would be the case that you shechting it, that you're not doing it on behalf of the owner, but it's still, you're still able to eat it. So Rabbi Yitzhak Bar-Avin says, it's where the blood spilled. I, when you shechted it, it was fit to eat, and then the blood spilled for the owner. You shechted it for the owner, so it was fit to eat, but you, then the blood spilled before you got to sprinkle it on the Mizbah, so it doesn't count as the korban, and you haven't returned it to the owner. So it's Kiyas, the rabbi, no more yeah. So because the owner is still going to have to offer a comment. So it's Kiyas Rabin Omar Rabbi Yochanan. When Rabin came, he said, "Name of Rabbi Yochanan." But Shochei Tmimim Bifnim. No, it's where you shechted this pure, this animal inside the base of midash, but not for the sake of the owners. If you slaughter a korban inside the base of midash, but not for the sake of the owners, it is a good korban, but it doesn't count as the owner, owner's korban. Which means you haven't returned. Granted, it's a good shit and a good korban, and you can eat it. So it's a shkita ruya. It counts as your korban. It counts as your. I don't know if it counts as your anyone specific korban, but it definitely doesn't count as the owner's korban, so you don't eat it. It's an important focus just to highlight. I think what, what I liked about it is he highlights the strength and weaknesses in each of these two answers. So again, I mean, said it's, it's, it was slaughtered and then the blood spilled, and that, sorry, Ravitz Ravitz like Bar Avin. And Ravin said the case is no, where you slaughtered it, but just not for the owners. So he says, it makes no difference whether you slaughter it not for the owners or not for Lishmo. You take the Shlomim and you shecht it as a Toda. In that case also, it's a kosher sacrifice, but it doesn't count as the owner's korban. So it's, I mean, alternatively, says, okay, maybe you don't have to get so pedantic on the language, because it never counts as the owner's obligation, so therefore we call it, whatever wrong intent you had, but it's still a valid korban, we're going to call it, not for the owner, because... It doesn't count as the owner's carbon. But then he says, 
he does, it seems to him a bit forced to establish the case as where the blood was spilt. Um, we'll see why shortly. Why would rather establish the cases where the blood spilled? Because that applies to all kochim. What he's going to want to say, there's certain sacrifices, Pesach and Chattas, I think it's just those two. Um, yeah. All sacrifices, if you shecht it for a different type of sacrifice or for a different person, it still counts as a, it's still a valid sacrifice, even though it doesn't count as the only sacrifice. However, a chattas or a Pesach, of a Pesach, if you slaughter it for the wrong person or the wrong korban, it's invalid. So therefore, if you learn like this answer of Ravin, it only applies, it applies to all korbanas, except if you stole, the, except if it's a chattas or a Pesach. So therefore, the other opinion would say, well, I'd like to discuss all korbanas, and therefore I'm going to discuss the case of where it's spilt, even though that's rare and unlikely in its own right. Okay, a third answer, Vareish Lokish, Omar Lokish says, It's where you slaughter, good morning, Hazrat. Um, it's where you slaughter a Balei Mumin outside of the Beis HaMikdash. I, if it has a Mum, you're allowed to slaughter it outside the Beis HaMikdash, and you can eat it. Pardon? You can't use it as sacrifice, you're allowed to, yeah. Um, and therefore, it's fine. Now, we're going to just um, ask a question on two of his answers. Rebbe raised the issue, so Ashral translated very nicely as pondered. Rebbe was pondering this point before Rebbe Yochanan. When you have a korban and you shecht it, it's not the shechita that allows you to eat it. What allows you to eat it? When you sprinkle the blood. Yeah. So the answer of the case is where he shechted it, and therefore it's a shechita shiru'uya, but the blood spills, is also shechita shainu'uya. Similarly, the Reish Lokish, shechita materes, valo pedia materes. According to Reish Lokish, who said that it's the, again, this inblemished <coughs> animal that you shechted outside the base of Mikdash, which doesn't even, this shechita, again, it's not the shechita that allows you to eat it, it's the pedia that allows you to eat it. So, Ishtami, pardon? No. Reish Lokish was the case, Padir is redeeming. Reish Lokish is the case of where it was an animal with a blemish that you shechted outside the base of Mingdash. So, it's not a shechitur ruya, it's not a shechitur that allows you to eat the animal until you go and redeem it. So, Ishtami, they hold to Rabbi Shimon. Ah, it slipped his mind, the following teaching of Rabbi Shimon. Anything that stands to be slaughtered is like it's... Sorry, that stands to be sprinkled, you can view it as if it's already been sprinkled. And anything that stands to be redeemed, you can view it as if it's already been redeemed. And now the Gomorrah is going to explain that, but that's why those answers work. When you shed this animal and you can now sprinkle the blood, you can view it as if you have sprinkled the blood and you can call it a shritruya. Similarly, when you shechted this blemish korban outside the base of Midash, even though you can't really eat it until you've redeemed it, since you just have to redeem it, it's as if it's been redeemed and it's considered a shritruya. And again, it's all Rabbi Shimon, so shritruya will tar, it will still be considered shritruya, and that's why you would be liable to four or five fold payment. Cheers, Mervyn. Um, now let's just quickly go through at least the one um, why, where we see that Rabbi Shimon holds Kola Oimer Lizrok Kazorik Dami. 
So call her oimel lizroy kazaruk tamid. The tanya we see in a brisa that Rabbi Shimon holds anything that stands to be sprinkled, it's ready to be sprinkled on the mizbeach. And since if you already sprinkled it on the mizbeach, the tanya, as we, uh, yeah, as we learned in the brisa, Rabbi Shimon oimel Rabbi Shimon says, yesh noise shehu mitma tumas oichlin veyesh noise she'ain mitma tumas oichlin. There is noise that can become tumas oichlin, and there is noise that cannot become tumas oichlin. What's firstly what's noisar? Noisar like eating. Yeah, is well generally referred to noisar is where you have a korban that you instead of eating it within the required time frame, you left it for after that. Seems it can also be it's if it was supposed to no pickles where you have wrong intent when you shecht it. Um, no, um, or it seems if you leave the blood past the time it was supposed to be sprinkled, the korban also becomes noiser. Now there's a machloikes which uh, in the pasuk says, Mikola achel asher yochel yitma. When the pasuk says anything that you could eat can become tome, does this mean the food? I only if it's food, it can become tome. The Tanakama holds that means as long as it's edible, again, even if it's osur to eat, and as long as it's edible, even if it's osur to eat, whereas Rabbi Shimon holds now it has to be mutar to eat. Now, so, so that's Rabbi Shimon's opinion, and remember that's what we're focusing on. So Rabbi Shimon holds, even if it's edible but not mutar to eat, you're not allowed to. However, as long as at some point it was mutar to eat, it was valid, then it becomes susceptible to, to food tumor, and that remains even if subsequently it becomes osur. So let's like this noisar. So he says, why? So again, what are we saying? There's times when noisar makes it mutar to eat, and times when noisar makes it osur to eat. Kaitzad, when is this? Lon if it was left overnight before you sprinkled the blood, it does not become susceptible to Tumas Eichlin. Why? Because it never ever became permitted to eat. Because before you sprinkled the blood, it became too late. It says, If it becomes noisar after sprinkling the blood, then it can become Tumas Eichlin. Because as soon as you sprinkle the blood, it becomes permitted to eat. And therefore, even though subsequently it becomes noisar and you can't eat it, it was permitted to eat, so it's acceptable to Tumah. But Kaimelon, and we establish, my Lifna Izrika, what do we mean before Zrika, Kaidem Shenira Lizrika? That's before it could be sprinkled. Laacha Zrika, Laacha Shenira Lizrika. After Zrika means after it could be sprinkled. And now we're going to say, Koidem Shenira Lizrika Lon Mahi. What do you mean before it could be sprinkled? Says the law, Havya Shahus Bayom Le Mizrakai. To Shakta Shomuch Le Shkir Sachama. It's where you did not have time to sprinkle it because you slaughtered it close to Shkir. The Aina Matami, Tumas Oichlin, therefore it can't become Tumas Oichlin. So let's just tie this back in and follow the logic backwards. Where you shech this animal very close to Shkir, so you're never going to be able to sprinkle the blood on the Mizbeach. It's, ne- it's, n- it's, it's, ne- it's not going to become susceptible to food, to, to Tumas Eichlin, because you could never eat it. La'acha shenira lizrika, 
Lon. What does it mean if it was left out after it was a fitting to be sprinkled? As long as there was time during the day to sprinkle the blood, it can become Tumas Eichlin. Now just again focusing on Rabbi Shimon, what, what are we saying here? We don't say that the, for this, again, the principle is if it could be eaten at some point, even now that it's noisar and you can't eat it, it's still susceptible to food, to, food tumor. Now, Rabbi Shimon does, clearly doesn't say that it has to be sprinkled. It says as long as there would be time to sprinkle it, it's susceptible to food tumor. What do we see? As long as you could sprinkle it, it says if it's been sprinkled. And therefore, we would say the same thing here. You shech this korban and you could sprinkle the blood, it's a shchitruya. Oh, subsequently the blood was spilt. It was already a shchitruya for a few minutes. Um, let's see, should we do Padu here? No, let's leave it here and we'll do um, the proof that Rabbi Shimon holds. Anything that is about to be redeemed is a, that could be redeemed now. It's as if it has already been redeemed tomorrow. Have a very good day. Okay, good morning. Today's daf is daf. I involve. Today's shoes, Le'ilu Nishmas, Shaina Bas Yitzchak, Yochevet Bas Chanalaya, and Tzvi Ben Chaim Mordechai. May the Neshamas have an Ali, and may the memory be a blessing. Um, we're going to go from the bottom of Ayin Hay Amud Beis, 75B. Let's go from, again, it's about the 12th last line, Omar of Acha, Bereidur of Ika. But basically, where we're holding in this large discussion on yesterday's death is we know that there's the principle of Moide Bekas Potter. If you admit to a penalty, you exempt. We were discussing in yesterday's death when does that admission count? And the opinions we were going in, um, the opinions we were going in was um, were holding that where your admission doesn't obligate you in anything, that doesn't actually count as admission. So if you go to Bayesian and you say, I stole, that does obligate you. You now have to pay back what you stole. You will, however, get off the kefil and the dalit vahey because of your admission. However, what happens if they're witnesses that you stole? So you're anyway paying back what you stole. And you then go along and say, but I sold it or but I slaughtered it. So you're admitting there, we, there your admission doesn't obligate you in anything. All it does is get you off the Dalit Bahay. So that admission doesn't count. Similarly, if you go to court and you say, um, I did not steal, but I, you know, and then Adam come and say, yeah, but you did steal, and you admit to Moida, you admit to the four or five fold payment, again, you wouldn't be liable. And we initially wanted to suggest that that was actually a machlokes tenaim between Rabbonin and Sumchus, and now Rabbi Achabrei Ravike is going to say it's not necessarily a machlokes in, in this principle of um, where your admission is again either triggered by Edim or triggered by um, or, or not obligate, you know, where your admission doesn't obligate you in anything, does that count as an admission? We're going to give another way to understand the Braises. So, Omer, Avacha, Breda, Ravika, law. Avacha, Breda, Ravika says no. Again, the argument is not in this principle. 
You could say everyone agrees that admitting that you slaughtered a thief, admitting that he slaughtered the animal, doesn't count as a as an admission. Again, and, he, and therefore, oh, sorry, I should have emphasized this. And therefore, if Adim subsequently, if it is an admission, and Adim subsequently come, you will still be exempt because of the principle of Moedim class Part Two. But if it doesn't count as an as an admission, like in our case where you're not obligating you yourself in anything, then it does not count as an admission. So if Adim subsequently come, you will be liable. Again, it still depends on Adim because. Um, a knas is, seems to be created through Adim. Okay, Ella, so, so they're not arguing that. Ella, but Eidos, Shiyato, Yochel, Hazima, Kamefligi, they're arguing in Eidos that is impossible to make them into Zomamin. Yeah, so Hazima would be to Zama father Eidos. I don't know, yeah, but come, that's what they're arguing. Kaganda Azu Sahadi, two witnesses came for Omrile Gonavto. And they said, you stole. I, we, the witnesses, saw you stole. So, Omar Lehu, and he said to them, That's right, I did steal, and I slaughtered or sold it. It was not before you who I slaughtered, who I stole it, rather before so-and-so and so-and-so. And so-and-so. And two witnesses come and say, yeah, you're right, it wasn't before that first set of witnesses that he stole. I, that is Zomamin, they were with us elsewhere. And then the witnesses that he said actually saw him do it, came and testified that he stole and he slaughtered. So it's quite an interesting case. Two witnesses come along and say, hey, we saw you steal. He says... You're right, I stole and I slaughtered it, but it wasn't you who saw me, it was Ruvain and Shimon. And then two other witnesses come and prove those first witnesses, Zomamin. And the witnesses that he said, he said, you know, Ruvain and Shimon saw me, so then they go and bring Ruvain and Shimon. And they say, yes, they saw him. Yeah, that they did see him, he'll be high. Now, well, now, this is where the Rabbonin and Sumchus argue. The Rabbonin Sovri, and I'll, I'll, let, let me just read it in the Gemara and I'll explain why shortly. The Rabbonin Sovri, The Rabbonin hold, this is considered Eidos that you're not able to Hazima, and therefore, and any Eidos that cannot be proven Hazoma. As you can, any Eidos that the Zomim say that you can't actually make them into Zomim does not count. The Sumchus holds Eidos Yato Yochalazima, Hava Eidos Sumchus holds it is valid Eidos. So let's just go back a step. Um, why is this Eidos, this I wasn't clear on and I don't think I put it across, across clearly yesterday. Why is this Eidos that you're not able to z- make them into Zomimin? Because basically, what's this guy come along and said? He said, Ruvain and Shimon saw me steal. Now, by doing his admission, is making their testimony valid regardless of their real status. Uh, again, he says, I saw Ruvain and Shimon saw me steal. And let's say Ruvain and Shimon are proved to be Zomamin. He's admitted that their testimony is good. So therefore... But at the same time, there's a woman. Yeah, but he's kind of said he's his admission. And remember, what Das Baldin Kameh Adim Zomim, Kameh Adim Zomim. The the person who's liable's admission is equal 
Kamea Adim Dami is like a hundred witnesses, not cases. Um, a, a person's admission is the equivalent of a hundred witnesses. So therefore you can have a hundred witnesses saying that Adim Zomimin, but from the court's perspective, from his perspective, he's no, they could hate him. And therefore, now, now what's their punishment going to be? So they're not, even if they're found to be Adim Zomimin, they're not going to incur the punishment of Adim Zomimin. Because he said they're good witnesses, they can't incur the punishment of Adim Zomimin. Therefore, you can't. Again, what I should have all, um, yeah, what's also interesting, we find the word Adim Zomimin and Adus that you're able to make into Zomimin doesn't only refer to can you prove those witnesses wrong, it also refers to in that case will they get the punishment of Zomimin. So here they won't get the punishment of Zomamin, therefore they do not therefore they can't be made into Zomamin because making Adim into Zomamin means getting them the same punishment as they tried to do. Therefore they're not. Therefore it's Adus that you can't make into Zomamin. And that's what we're saying. There are born and hold it's good Adus. It's, sorry, it's not good Adus. Therefore we don't accept them. And there are born and hold and Sumchus holds it's not good Adus and therefore we're not going to accept them. I'm not going to, but what's should do is tie it back into so then we've got to read the price and see how you tie this mahlokas back into the price but let's go on it says says the Gemara says but wait we paskin that edus that you are not able to make into them into zoimimin does not count as edus it's a clear principle sumchus wouldn't argue on that you just told me that the Rabbanon and Sumchus argue whether we count Eidos, that you're not able to make them into Zomimim as Eidos. And we said that Sumchus holds you, ca- you do count it. But we clearly don't count it. Sumchus wouldn't argue on that. So he says, no. When do we have this principle and we accept it as bad? As a, when do we accept this principle that everyone agrees that if you're not able to make them into Zomimim, it's not Eidos? That's specifically where you don't know which day it was done. Or what time it was done, the lake cloud, where there is no testimony. Not that there's no testimony, they are saying it, but there's no edus that they are able. I the, the points of their testimony that you cannot prove them. It says Aval here. They could have been based on Zomimin, based on what they actually said. It's just that they support his statement. I, he's the one who said, I'm, I, I, in my mind, the victor, the one who the Edim are coming against, said, yes, they could aid him. His admission is supporting their Edos. I mean, they come in support of what he's saying. I'm just saying why they come in support of um, his statement is because Al-Girsi al- is... They support him, but it could also be read. There's a note in the Majma saying, Luhu, he supports them. But either way, what do we see? The, the victim, the guy they're coming to process, to prove wrong, supports them, stands up for them and says they could aid him. So we're going to accept his admission. Now, now let's just look at this carefully. So the aiders, what they said, could be proven Zomamin. It's an external fact that this, uh, this guy they're testifying against who makes it that they can't be proven Zomamin. That's where Sumcha says, look, that's not real making them into Zomim, and we accept their testimony. Uh, on the other hand, when do we, does everyone agree you don't accept? Where points in their testimony are left out or unclear so that they can't be Zomim. Again, the difference is, 
in the case in our Mishnah, the Edim, everything that they said, all their testimony can be proven, can make them into Zomim. It's just this guy that says, no, they, I accept their testimony against me. Whereas the other point where no one accepts Eidos that can't be made into Zomim, Hazima, that is where the Edim are not able to... Um, that is where there's actual points in their testimony that are missing. Okay, Omar, Hain Mishalmim Tashlume Kefal. We said in the Brisa that the Aiden Zomimin pay Kefal. Now, me to call Moisev the Ganav, but if he admits that he stole, Karen Boy Shluma, he has to pay the Karen. So why are the Aiden Zomimin only paying? Paying kafel, they should only. What are they? What did they try him to get over and above? Just one times the payment, because he he admitted, so that's already t- takes the one time that he's going to pay anyway. So all they got him to pay was trying to get him to pay is one. So why do they pay kafel? Says Omar Rebbe Lozer. Rebbe Lozer says, Mishmei the Rav. Rebbe Lozer said in the name of Rav, Tani Tashlum to kafel. They pay the completion of kafel. Ah, he's going to pay the karen. And they're going to pay the kafel, and then obviously, just based on the case, the thief will also have to pay the dalid vahay, because his in the case there, his admission, urat, was triggered because of adim. However, they were proven to be zomamin, so his admission. Uh, wait, going back to the case. He, he, his admission chives him in Karen, and since they've proven Adim Zomamin, they obligate him in the extra amount, and the uh, and the four or fivefold payment, since they've proven Adim Zomim, he will also have to pay that. Right? Isn't that yeah. a plan? Pardon? I understand. The Brisa, this is going back into yesterday's stuff. Sumchus, they said in the name of Sumchus, they, the Aidin, pay Tashlume Kefil, and he pays Tashlumim Shloisha. Shloisha So we go now into what's the case. So Rav Acha Ravik explained the case is where um, two witnesses came and they said that you stole. And he said, Urat, um, what he says, I did steal and I slaughtered it. However, you weren't the witnesses, and they subsequently proven to, aid, to be Adam's army. However, Ruvain and Shimon were the witnesses. Now, his admission, that, uh, it's. I'm just writing, well, his, his admission obligates him in the Karen. However, the Aidim Zomimim tried to get him punished. So they should be paying three and four. Uh, no, four so five. they're paying, they're paying the, they're paying the, the, the kafel, because remember, an admission to, to the tvicha doesn't count when you're going to be paying anyway. So his admission doesn't count, and therefore the second set of witnesses obligates the thief in the extra three or two, three extra three or four. 
Oh, sorry, extra. Yeah, 302. So, so, so therefore, and that's how we've come out. So the the thief pays the carrier because of because he admitted a moid of a class potter in the Aiden's on him. We were trying to get him to pay Kayful, pay the extra, the, the the second portion, and his admission on three on the three or the two, the extra amount over and above doesn't count as an admission. So when the second set of witnesses come along, or the third set that he said were good witnesses come along and say, you also slaughtered it, he now has to pay those additional amounts. Okay, yeah, it's very tricky, but that's the case. Okay, let's go into the new case. The Mishnah said if he slaughters and, he, and, and sanctifies it, and then, so if he stole and then he sanctified it, and then he slaughtered or sold it, so he said that the thief pays double, but he doesn't pay the four or five, because it was already Hegdesh. So Omri Bishlai Mat Okay, it makes sense that if he slaughtered it after sanctifying it, he doesn't have to pay the four or five fold, because whose animal is he slaughtering? Hegdesh's animal, and not the original owner's. And remember, you only chayev if you slaughter the animal that belongs to the owner that you stole from. Now this animal, um, because of Shinurashus, it changed from the owner's Rishus to the Yehosh and Shinurashus. Rashi points out there's definitely Yehosh because if there's no Yehosh, you could never sanctify it. So there was Yehosh and he sanctified it. So there's Yehosh and Shinurashus. It's changed from the original owner or the thief to the Hegdesh. Therefore, it's no longer the original owner's. And he's not slaughtering the original owner's animals, so therefore he's exempt from four or five. Ella, a hegdesh lechayev, just by making it kadosh, he should be liable. What difference does it make whether he sells it to a regular person or he sells it to the heaven? To heaven. What are we saying here? When we say if he steals and then sells it, he's liable to four or five. It's not specifically on if it's a sale. It's on if he transfers it to someone else's property. If the thief, thief gives it away as a gift, he's also liable to the four or five fold payment because that's the equivalent of uh, selling, giving a gift. So, so to when he gives it to Hegdesh, that's just giving a gift to a different entity. He should be liable for four or five fold payment. So the Gemara answers, no, how many Rabbi Shimon? It's actually Rabbi Shimon. Omar Kodshim Shechai Bachriyusim. He says, Kodshim, that the owner would be liable to replace, is viewed as always in the Rishus of the owner. Aye, so this thief, who must have said something along the lines of, I commit to bring a Korban Ola. Now, and then he says, oh, you know, this animal that I stole, I'll use that as my Korban Ola. And then, he sl- and then as we said, he slaughters the Korban Ola. That, that, I'm sorry, he slaughters that animal. Now, what we're saying that when he gave it as Hegdesh, when he declared that animal as Hegdesh, that's giving it to the Beis Amidash. That was our problem. If he's giving it to the Beis Amidash, that's the same as if he sold it to anyone. So he's saying no, because when you're responsible to replace it, where he says, I commit to bring an Ola, and then as a second point, he says, oh, you know what, I'll use this animal as my Ola. If anything happens to that animal, he has to replace it. Because he still has the obligation to bring an Ola. So therefore, he hasn't really 
Rabbi Shimon says, it's as if it's his. So the thief hasn't really given it to the base Amigdash. He's partially given it to the base Amigdash. The ones he's made of Kurdish and he's for Paris. I'm not sure why. Because it's not on his property. Uh, like, I mean, I'm not sure where you're getting that. Uh, so he's Chaim Me'ila. So, I mean, let's wait a bit further down the depth because you're Maybe. bringing in like a few points and I don't know if you got, uh, if, 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 if they're clear yet, but we will be challenging this for similar reasons. Uh-huh. Okay, but, but again, just to get it, I don't know if I said it clearly, but when a th- Rabbi Shimon holds that as long as you're liable to still bring a korban, you're liable to replace the animal if it goes missing or something, then it's, it's still considered the owners, in this case the thieves. He's the one who sanctified it, so it will still be considered he's it's not a proper gift. That's what we're saying. There's all home the safer Rabbi Shimon, have a Rabbi Shimon. Oh, but since the latter clause in the mission is Rabbi Shimon, this clause can't be Rabbi Shimon. So we must be discussing. So you're right. It's not Rabbi Shimon. Oh, so how are you going to get around this? He says it's Kochim Kalim according to Rabbi Yosei Glili. Dama Kochim Kalim Amun Baalim Hu. Rabbi Shusay Kamei. Rabbi Yosei Glili holds that Kochim Kalim, light level sanctity, is always considered the owners, and therefore it is still in the rishus of the thief. So even when the thief goes, I want to give this as this animal I stole as a shlomim. The contribuosi aglili, it's still considered his. And there's no meila. Says ava kotche kotche mai. So what would be the halachot? Kotche kotchim meshalim tashlume dalid vechamisha. You telling me that he would pay four or five? Ah, if he says I want this to be an ola, then it is considered the temple property. So it is a proper transfer from his property to the temple, and he should be liable to four or five. So my meshalim tashlume dalid vechamisha. He says no. Adetani reisha ganavatova. But the Reisha teaches, if he stole and then he slaughtered and then he sanctified it, he pays Dalit Vahey. Make the distinction in that case. Again, we switched in the Reisha we made, whenever the Mishnah wants to teach two sides, a case when you will be Chayav and a case where you won't be Chayav, we expected to make as little distinctions between the two cases to bring out that point that there are times when you have and times when you potter. But here it changes the whole case. The ratio is where you stole, slaughtered, and then sanctified. And the safe is where you stole, sanctified, and then. But don't make such a big distinction. Um, just teach as follows. Make the distinction as follows. When is this? with but if it's kotche kotchim, high level sanctity, that is considered temple property when you sanctify it, you should be paying four or five payment. I again, therefore, by the fact that we don't make that distinction, must be it's an invalid distinction. So there should there would be no difference whether it's light level kedusha or high level kedusha. And therefore, we can't explain the Mishnah as saying, oh, when, why, again, we, we're always going back to the question, why, when you sanctify this animal, are you not hired for four or five fold for, sell it, for the equivalent of selling it to the base of Milash? So we want to say it's Rabbi Yosi in Kotche Kalim, but then, but that distinction doesn't work because we should not have a distinction between Kotche Kalim and Kotche Kotchem. Rather, you actually have to say there's no difference between Kotche Kotchim or Kotche Kalim. 
Are you asked then again what's the difference whether you sell it to a regular person or you sell it to Shamaim? Are you sanctify it? So when you sell something to a regular person, originally it's called Ruvain's ox and now it's called Shimon's ox because it's been sold. But when you sell something to heaven, I declare it sanctified. You used to call it Ruvain's tur, and I used uh, ox, and now you still call it Ruvain's ox. So what are we saying? There's an ask when when I sell something to you, it changes it. Oh, that was. Ellie's car, and now it's Gavin's car. That's when we sell something. That's what people refer to that. However, if I would sanctify an animal and take it to the base of Middash, people would call, still call it Mashi, Ellie's sheep, and then I take it to the base of Middash, it's still Ellie's sheep. So we see there's an aspect of the sale that is not complete, when, or the equivalent of the sale, when you magdish something. So that's what we bring it out. You're right. Really, it is very close to a sale when you sanctify something. It's instead of giving it a gift to a person, you're giving it as a gift to the base Amigdash. However, by the way people refer to it, we can see it's not a complete transaction, and therefore you would not be liable to four or fivefold payment in that case. Okay, now we're going on to Rabbi Shimon. And Rabbi Shimon said, now, what did Rabbi Shimon said, let me just read it inside the mission. Rabbi Shimon said, If it's kochim that you're obligated to replace, then you are liable to four or five-fold payment. Well, oh, sorry, I should go back a line. It says, If you stole and you sanctified it, either the top of the page, the case we're going on in the top of the page, if you stole and then sanctified it and then you slaughtered or sold it, you do not pay kefil, but sorry, you do pay kefil for stealing it, but you're not going to pay dalit vahay because it's already sanctified. Rabbi Shimon Oimer, Rabbi Shimon says, if it's kochim that you liable to replace, you do pay dalit vahay. If you're not liable to replace it, what are you exempt? What would be, um, just to highlight, what would be the distinction when you are liable to replace it? If you give, if you dedicate something to the temple in a language of saying, I, I commit to give an Allah, and then you choose an animal. If anything happens to that animal, it gets lost or dies, your original declaration still stands. I commit to give an Allah. You haven't fulfilled, I commit to give an Allah, and therefore you have to replace the animal. So Rabbi Shimon says that's considered your animal, and therefore, if you sell it, you would still be liable to Dalit Bahay, even though you sanctified it in the middle. Um, re, however, if let's say I say, I commit to give this animal as a korban, if something happens to that animal, you're not liable to do anything, because your, your vow was to give this animal, and this animal died, so you free. So there's no obligation to replace it, so therefore it is considered a basis. Now, now we're going on the assumption that the Tanakhama holds that if one steals and then sanctifies, and then Shechs is exempt from four or five, and Rishimon is arguing only where there's no Achrayos. But if there is Achrayos, so you know, Rabbi Shimon, sorry, agrees that if there is, that's where there's no Achrayos. But if there is Achrayos, then he would still be Chayav Dalit Vahey. But now, 
Does the three or four fivefold does the four or fivefold payment kick in? And if we have the issue, well, if you chayv ba'achrayus, it hasn't transferred, so it shouldn't kick in. And Rishon seems seem to say the opposite. Um, you, you should be potter in that case. So they say no. Omri, actually, Rabbi Shimon holds like the Tanakhama that giving it to the base Hamidash is not a proper, proper transferal. But Rabbi Shimon Amil Sachrisi Koi, if we have to introduce and say that Rabbi Shimon's actually going on a different case. So you stole an animal, and this is what it's teaching. If someone steals from another thief, he doesn't pay Dalitvei. And similarly, if someone steals from the house of the owner, Hegdesh from the house of the owner, Potur, he's exempt. My timer, what's the reason? You only liable if you steal from the house of the owner and not from the house of Hegdesh. If the animal you stole, if the owner had sanctified the animal and then you steal it, even though it's his because he's liable to replace it, it is. It's also Hegdesh, and therefore you can't say you stole from him, from the house of him, and you'd be potter from the Dalit Bahay. So, and it explains, Rabbi Shimon, Oimer Rabbi Shimon said, sorry, sorry, this is all the Tanakama, potter, we're going to be basic. Rabbi Shimon, Oimer, Kodshim, Shechai, Bachrius, and Chayev. No, Rabbi Shimon holds, if you liable to replace it, you liable, my timer. Sorry, I explained it wrong, but the, 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 the principles I said are wrong. The Tanakama holds that once you've been sanctified the animal, it's considered now the temple property, at least to a degree. Therefore, when you steal it, you're stealing it from Hegdesh, not from the owner. And that's why you're exempt from four or five-fold payment. Whereas Rabbi Shimon holds no. If the owner is liable to replace that animal, if anything happens to it, it is his. And therefore, more than a connection, we view it as his. And therefore, you would be liable to replace it. And unlike if... Um, yeah, unlike if, if, if it's... 
he would agree to the Tanakama. If there's no achrayas on it, then it is considered hektesh, and you would not be chayav to the four or fivefold payment because you're stealing it not from the owner of the thief, but from the house of hektesh. Um, important to highlight, uh, Rashi brings this out. Let me just check that. Because remember, Rabbi Shimon holds. Um, you know, let me not bring in that point now. It says, Mikhtish my inan layla Now we're going to ask a question on this because, so we're saying if you slaughter, if the thief steals this animal and slaughters it, he's going to be, if he's chayv ba'achrayusa, he's going to be liable to four or five fold payment. He says, but now he says, Mirtish my inner lady Rebishum Domishrita Shainuria Losh Meshrita, Kodshim Namishrita Shainuria He. But wait, we hold that if someone slaughters something that you can't eat, it doesn't count as a shrita, and therefore you should not be liable to four or five old payment. Now, when you take this carbon and shecht it, this is going back to what Gavin was saying, you're just you know, bringing in two other books. Um, when you go and shecht this carbon outside of the base of Mikdash, are you allowed to eat it? No. So it shouldn't count as a shkita, so you shouldn't be liable to four or five old payment. So now we're going to have three answers to this question. So Rav Dimi says in the name of Rabbi Yochanan, it's where you shechted this korban for the owners. Either thief stole this korban from Ruvain, he takes it to the base of Midash and he shechts it on behalf of Ruvain. So therefore, he, it is edible. And therefore, it's a shrita shiru'uya, and he's shechting something he stole, so he's liable to four or five-fold payment. Now, what? <laughs> yeah. saving uh, is uh, very, very helpful. He says, wait, if you're doing that, then he's returning the karen to the balim. When you shech, this owner had this korban, no. and you shech this korban on behalf of the owner, you're doing it for him. You've, you've returned the animal to the owner. For all intents and purposes. So there should be no four or five fold payment. I think in my mind what it's similar to is, so you steal a lamb, you give it back to the owner, and then he says, thank you so much, will you please shecht it for me? You're not going to, oh, you stole it and slaughtered it. That's not what you hear, and that's what you're doing here. You're taking, you're stealing this animal, you're going up to the base of Midash, and you're shechting it on half the owner. So now we're going to have three answers to what would be the case that you shechting it that you're not doing it on behalf of the owner, but it's still, you're still able to eat it. So Omar Rabbi Yitzhak Bar-Avin says, it's where the blood spilt. I, when you shechted it, it was fit to eat, and then the blood spilt for the owner. You shechted it for the owner, so it was fit to eat, but just then the blood spilt before you got to sprinkle it on the Mizbah, so it doesn't count as the korban and you haven't returned it to the owner. It says, Kiyas the Rabbi Omar Yeah. So Kiyas, because the owner is still going to have to offer a korban. It says, Kiyas the Rabbi Omar Rabbi Yochanan, when Rabbi Kabi said, Name of Rabbi Yochanan, B'shochei t'mimim bifnim, she'lole she'im balim. No, it's where you shechted this pure, this animal inside the base of Midash, but not for the sake of the owners. If you slaughter a korban inside the base of Midash, but not for the sake of the owners, it is a good korban, but it doesn't count as the owner, owner's korban. 
which means you haven't returned. Granted, it's a good shrit and a good carbon and you can eat it. So it's a shrit or yeah? It counts as your carbon. It counts as your I don't know if it counts as your, of anyone's specific carbon, but it definitely doesn't count as the owner's carbon, so you don't eat it. There's an important purpose just to highlight, I think what, what I liked about it is he highlights the strength and weaknesses in each of these two answers. So again, I mean, said it's, it's, it was slaughtered and then the blood spilled. And that, sorry, Revitzak Bar Avin. And Ravin said the case is no, where you slaughtered it, but just not for the owners. So he says, it makes no difference whether you slaughter it not for the owners or not for Lishma. You take the Shlomim and you shecht it as a Toda. In that case also, it's a kosher sacrifice, but it doesn't count as the owner's korban. So it's in, I mean, alternatively, says, okay, maybe you don't have to get so pedantic on the language because it never counts as the owner's obligation, so therefore we call it whatever wrong intent you had, but it's still a valid korban, we're going to call it not for the owner because it doesn't count as the owner's korban. But then he says, he does, it seems to him a bit forced to establish the case as where the blood was spilt. Um, we'll see why shortly. Ravdimi would rather establish the cases where the blood spilt because that applies to all kochim. What he's going to want to say, there's certain sacrifices, Pesach and Chattas, I think it's just those two. Um, yeah. All sacrifices, if you shecht it for a different type of sacrifice or for a different person, it still counts as a, it's still a valid sacrifice, even though it doesn't count as the only sacrifice. However, a chattas or a Pesach, Chobam Pesach, if you slaughter it for the wrong person or the wrong korban, it's invalid. So therefore, if you learn like this answer of Ravin, it only applies, it applies to all korbanas, except if you stole the, except if it's a chattas or a Pesach. So therefore, the other opinion would say, well, I'd like to discuss all korbanas, and therefore I'm going to discuss the case of where it's spilt, even though that's rare and unlikely in its own right. Okay, a third answer, Varesh Lokish, Amaresh Lokish says, Beshoichei Baalei Mumin Bechutz, it's where you slaughter, good morning, Hazrat, um, it's where you slaughter a Baalei Mumin outside of the Beis HaMikdash. I, if it has a Mum, you're allowed to slaughter it outside the Beis HaMikdash, and you can eat it, pardon? You can't use it as sacrifice, you're allowed to, yeah, um, and therefore it's fine. Now, we're going to just um, ask a question on two of his answers. Toi boy, Rebbe Lozor, Rebbe Yochanan. Rebbe raised the issue. So, Ashral translated very nicely as pondered. Rebbe was pondering this point before Rebbe Yochanan. He said, Materes, Materes. When you have a korban and you shecht it, it's not the shechita that allows you to eat it. What allows you to eat it? When you sprinkle the blood. Yeah. So the answer of the case is where he shechted it, and therefore it's a shechita shiru'uya, but the blood spills, is also shechita shainu'uya. Similarly, according to Reish Lokish, who said that it's the, again, this, in, this <coughs> blemished animal that you shechted outside the base of Mikdash, which doesn't even, this shechita, again, it's not the shechita that allows you to eat it, it's the pedia that allows you to eat it. Say Ishtami Param? No. Reish Lokish was the case, Padia is redeeming. 
Reish Lakish is the case of where it was an animal with a blemish that you shechted outside the base of Migdash. It says it's not a shechitur ru'uya, it's not a shechitur that allows you to eat the animal until you go and redeem it. So, Ishtamite hold to Rabbi Shimon. Ah, it slipped his mind, the following teaching of Rabbi Shimon. Anything that stands to be slaughtered is like it's sorry, that stands to be sprinkled, you can view it as if it's already been sprinkled, and anything that stands to be redeemed, you can view it as if it's already been redeemed. And now the Gemara is going to explain that, but that's why those answers work. When you shed this animal and you can now sprinkle the blood, you can view it as if you have sprinkled the blood and you can call it a shlitra Similarly, when you shed this blemish korban outside the base of Midash, even though you can't really eat it until you've redeemed it, since you just have to redeem it, it's as if it's been redeemed and it's considered a shlitra that's, and again, it's all Rabbi Shimon. So, it will still be considered Shechitur Uya, and that's why you would be liable to four or five fold payment. Um, now, let's just quickly go through at least the one um, why, where we see that Rabbi Shimon holds Kola Oimer Lizra Kazarik Dami. So call the Tanya we see in a so that Rabbi Shimon holds anything that stands to be sprinkled, it's ready to be sprinkled on the Mizbeach, and since if you already sprinkled it on the Mizbeach, the Tanya, as we learned in the Raisa, Rabbi Shimon Oimer, Rabbi Shimon says, Yesh noise shehu mitma tumas oichlin, the yesh noise she'ain mitma tumas oichlin. There is noise that can become tumas oichlin, and there is noise that cannot become tumas oichlin. What's firstly what's noisar? Noisar like eating. Yeah, is well generally referred to noisar is where you have a korban that you instead of eating it within the required time frame, you left it for after that. Seems it can also be it's if it was supposed to you no know, pickles where you have wrong intent when you shecht it. Um, no, um, or it seems if you leave the blood past the time it was supposed to be sprinkled, the korban also becomes noiser. Now there's a machloikes which uh, in the pasuk it says, Mikola achel asher yochel yitma. When the pasuk says anything that you could eat can become tome, does this mean the food? I only if it's food, it can become tome. The Tanakama holds that means as long as it's edible, again, even if it's also to eat, and as long as it's edible, even if it's also to eat, whereas Rabbi Shimon holds, now it has to be mutar to eat. Now, so, so that's Rabbi Shimon's opinion, and remember that's what we'll be focusing on. So Rabbi Shimon holds, even if it's edible but not mutar to eat, you're not allowed to. However, as long as at some point it was mutar to eat, it was valid, then it becomes susceptible to, to food tumor, and that remains even if subsequently it becomes osur. So let's like this noisar. So he says, why? So again, what are we saying? There's times when noisar makes it mutar to eat, and times when noisar makes it osur to eat. Kaitzad, when is this? If it was left overnight before you sprinkled the blood, it does not become susceptible to Tumas Eichlin. Why? Because it never ever became permitted to eat. Because before you sprinkled the blood, it became too late. It says, 
If it becomes noisar after sprinkling the blood, then it can become Tumas Oichlin. Because as soon as you sprinkle the blood, it becomes permitted to eat. And therefore, even though subsequently it becomes noisar and you can't eat it, it was permitted to eat, so it's acceptable to Tumah. The Kaimelon, and we establish, my Lifna Izrika, what do we mean before Zrika? Chaydem Shenira Lizrika. That's before it could be sprinkled. After zrika means after it could be sprinkled. And now we're going to say, What do you mean before it could be sprinkled? It's where you did not have time to sprinkle it because you slaughtered it close to shkia. Therefore, it can't become Tumas So let's just tie this back in and follow the logic backwards. Where you shech this animal very close to Shkia, so you're never going to be able to sprinkle the blood on the Mizbeach. It's, ne- it's, 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 ne- it's not going to become susceptible to food, to, to Tumas Oichlin, because you could never eat it. What does it mean if it was left out after it was a fitting to be sprinkled. As long as there was time during the day to sprinkle the blood, mitma tumas oichlin can become tumas oichlin. Now just again, focusing on Rabbi Shimon, what, what are we saying here? We don't say that the, for this, again, the principle is if it could be eaten at some point, even now that it's noisar and you can't eat it, it's still susceptible to food, to, food tumor. Now, Rabbi Shimon does, clearly doesn't say that it has to be sprinkled. It says as long as there would be time to sprinkle it, it's susceptible to food tumor. What do we see? As long as you could sprinkle it, it says if it's been sprinkled. And therefore, we would say the same thing here. You shech this korban and you could sprinkle the blood, it's a shchitruya. Oh, subsequently the blood was spilt. It was already a shchitruya for a few minutes. Um, Let's see, should we do Padu here? No, let's leave it here, and we'll do um, the proof that Rabbi Shimon holds. Anything that is about to be redeemed, is a, that could be redeemed now, it's as if it has already been redeemed tomorrow. Have a very good day.